0: Um, and if you're newish, go to arisedenver.com connect, even if you're here in person or online, and fill that form out. Okay, I got a little bit of squeak. There we go, we're getting it cleaned up. Um, and um, I, I did just, uh, and you got that start thing. We're going to start class after the, the service today. So I need to talk to you guys. <clears> There's <throat> something, I, I, don't, I don't do this hardly at all, but we got to talk, guys. Okay, something serious. It's time to start coming on time. Hey, no laughing. This is serious. I I mean it. Okay. I don't know if you guys know this, but our band rocks. Okay. They are awesome. Yes, they are doing an incredible job. They come here super early. They get ready. Sam has even been, like, making music so that it leads into the first song. It's really cool, and there's, like, nine people here at 9 9 a.m. and 10.45, okay? And yes, 10.45 is worse than 9 a.m., okay? I'm telling you guys... But but I'm serious. Not only does it allow you to come in and worship. So this is the first reason. Okay, if, if the president were coming over to your house, would you show up late? Okay, you wouldn't do that for your boss either. Why do you do it for Jesus? Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's show up on time for Jesus. That's one reason. Two. Guess who's here at 9 a.m. and at 10:45 a.m. Well, yes, Jesus. <laughs> But also new people. If you're new, you show up on time, checking out, want to start a good first impression. And I walked around at the 9 a.m. I was, I was out at 1045. At 9 a.m. there were three brand new people, that, brand new couples to our church, and there was like nobody else in here. And what happens when you're new, some of you are like, yes. You walk in and you sit down and you look around. There's nobody here. I'm not coming back. You've already made the decision before the service has even started, okay? Because nobody has come up to say hi. There's nobody else around you. You're like, I don't know. This is weird. So if you get here earlier, you get here on time, you can talk to those new people. Invite them because every single one of us is a greeter, okay? We can all invite people into our church to help them grow in their faith. So that's the second reason. The third reason is that every Sunday this year, our numbers have been growing, which is cool. People are coming back in person. Yes, that's something to be excited about. And our parking lot sucks, okay? I don't want an email about that, okay? It does, it sucks. Our parking lot's too small. We need about twice as many parking spots for the church size that we are, and it's just gonna get worse. Some of you have already experienced it, maybe even this morning. We don't have enough spots. So what we ask anybody who's a regular here to not park in the parking lot, okay? Which means you gotta get here even earlier to park over on the street, down the street, so that you can walk here and give that spot to a guest, okay? So there's a reason you're helping people follow Jesus by getting here early, Can we do that? So this is my challenge to you guys. Let's do it. Let's start next week. I want to see this place packed at 10.45 a.m. Can we do that? Okay. Thank you, guys. Okay. Enough dad talk. Um, Let's move on to our message. Okay. I'm going to need a volunteer. I'm going to need a volunteer. Who wants to be my volunteer for um, my message right now? I need somebody who's bold and brave. Yes. Van, come on up. Van's in the Navy. He's like, yes, I will be the first one to go. Throw me in the ocean. Okay. Van, I actually need you to get around here in front, okay? You can step down. Okay, Van, um, yeah, step down there. Can everybody give a hand to Van? Thank you, Van, yes. Yeah, even a bow. Okay, I want you to take this, what I have in my hand, okay? Hold on to that drumstick, yes, that's our dowel, okay? And I'm gonna unreal this, so I want you to walk this way. Yep, head back, do not trip on the camera leg. And if everybody's listening online, people are listening. Last week's message was really tough for people listening. I have a yellow cord, a yellow rope that's on a spool. Okay, now get all the way to the back, Van. Now I want you to go out our two double doors. Okay, yeah, kind of let it stay loose and just keep unwinding it. Oh, okay. And let's get that all the way out. Just keep going. Keep going, Van. How far do you think we can make them go? Keep going. Okay, that's good. Okay, I want you to just lay down that spool uh, on the ground right there, okay? If you're here, you can tell that I have this yellow cord here, this yellow rope, and it's very, very long, extending all the way outside. Van, you can come in and have a seat. Thank you. Everybody give Van a round of applause. So, I have here this yellow cord, and it goes out. You can't see the end of it, can you? This cord represents your life. Now, I want you to look real closely in camera, if we can zoom in right there. The blue end of this cord, that represents your life here on earth. Our life right now. You guys tracking with me? This yellow cord running all the way out, you can't even see the end of it, is the life that we can live. In one of two places. We'll talk about that. But this blue end, which is very short, right? Just a couple inches, (laughs) represents our life here, right now, on this planet. I remember the first time I saw this was from a pastor named Francis Chan, and it just became very clear to me that we can live for a very, very long time. Our life here, even if you live 100, 120 years, that'd be impressive, right? Maybe some of you guys can do that. But, but really, our life could go on for thousands upon millions upon billions upon trillions and trillions of years, forever and ever. That's what our life was meant to be. And in this series we're calling Flipping Tables, we're seeing Jesus not only flip tables in the temple, but flip the world upside down. And he did that. Today in our message, we're going to see that Jesus really wanted to flip our entire eternity upside down. Because we need to start thinking of eternity. Jesus talked about heaven and about hell more than anybody else in the entire Bible. Because we need to start thinking about it. And if we can learn to think about the life after life, it will actually impact our life here so much. And it should. It should. So that's what we're going to be doing today. So if you have a Bible, I want you to open with me to Luke chapter 20. And we're going to be starting in verse 34 today, Um, if I have that right. Let me make sure. Um, We're going to be in Luke chapter 20, verse 27. We're going to start today. If you have a phone or a tablet, you can go to the Uversion Bible app. And if you look under more, you can find our Rise Church Denver event and just take notes and find all the scriptures right there in the app. But what we're going to see here, Jesus is going to teach us three characteristics about life after life. It really was important, and Jesus wanted to teach us about it. It's so important for our lives. So we're going to learn these three con- characteristics of life after life, because we should actually learn to long for the life after life. So think about it. It should change our lives. In fact, the theologian John Calvin said, you haven't made very much progress at all in your Christian faith if you do not think about and meditate on continually heaven Okay? So we need to start thinking about heaven a lot more because it will impact our life now. So let's turn to Luke chapter 20. So this is the last weeks of Jesus' life, and he is teaching in the temple every single day, setting himself up as the temple, the priest, and the final sacrifice. And here he's teaching, and people every day are coming up to him asking him questions. A lot of the different theologians of the day are trying to trap him with tricky questions. And in verse 27, we see the same thing. It says, some of the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus with a question. So the Sadducees were one of the Jewish denominations, okay? If you didn't know this, there's a lot of denominations within the Christian church, okay, right? There's a lot of denominations. Some of you come from Roman Catholic backgrounds, Methodist, Presbyterian, or some of you are the Pentecostals. And you're wondering, hey, I brought my tambourine to church today. I thought that's what we do here, right? Okay. I'm saying it because we love that, right? We have some of you who are Pentecostals, Dwight, right? Okay. You're like, yes, you come, B Y O T, bring your own tambourine to church. We got to dance. Okay, denominations are different, and we do things a little bit differently, and the great thing is we all worship Jesus. Well, in those days, there were different uh, denominations within the Jewish religion that Jesus lived in, taught among. There still are a lot of different um, denominations in all the different religions. And in those days, the main one that we've heard about in the Bible that you have probably heard about are the Pharisees. They were the Bible teachers. They really knew the Bible really well. There's another group called the Sadducees, and we're told here that they didn't believe in the resurrection, They thought, you die and you're done. It's out. Um, We're told also in the book of Acts that they didn't believe in angels or spirits. So these guys really didn't have a supernatural view of the world. It's not that they weren't religious. They were. They did, things were right, and they they followed all sorts of religious rules and customs. But they just thought, okay, there's not really anything spiritually else out there. You die and it's the end. They were very sad, you see. Yes. Okay, now you're going to remember that one, right? And so I think it's really interesting because in our day, don't we have people who don't believe that there's anything supernatural in our world? I'm pretty sure that's like the scientific consensus, okay? Our scientific worldview today, I meet people here in Central Park and they're like, hey, thanks for inviting me to church. I believe in science. I've gotten that multiple times, okay? I'm like, well, great. So do I. (laughs) Come to church. Um, Come to church. And the point is, is that there's a lot of people today who do not believe in the supernatural. You die and it's over you basically, it's like you have your computer on and then you unplug it, it's done. It's over, that's the end of your life. There's nothing supernatural, nothing else out there. And if that's you today and you're coming in here, somebody dragged you here, you're watching online because somebody sent you this. Okay, if you're here, I'm glad you're here because that's what Jesus is going to address today. We're gonna hear what Jesus actually said about the supernatural and especially about the life after life. And if you're here and you're unsure because there's even Christians who are like, I do believe, but I'm unsure. You're, you're gonna fit in really well with these Sadducees because they have a logical problem with the idea of heaven. And that's what they're going to confront Jesus with. So they actually start with this story, and we don't know if it's theoretical or something that actually happened, but what they say is, hey, Jesus, there's this woman, and she gets married, but before she is able to conceive and have her own child, her husband dies. So according to Jewish law and custom, her, that man's brother would marry her so that she could have a child and carry on the family name. So then he said, okay, what, what, this is what happened next. The second husband dies too without uh, bearing her a child. So does the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, and the seventh husband. All seven husbands, no kids, and then she dies too. He said, okay. Here's the question, Jesus. Ready for the mic drop? Whose husband is she in the resurrection? I'm not going to drop that mic. Jason, I, I can already see him like, no, please don't. Okay. But they're like, oh, we got you. Logically, it doesn't make sense, right? Because if she has one hu- seven husbands now, how is she going to have seven husbands then? Is that polygamy? Actually, it's polyandry, right? If you've ever taken anthropology, you know that that's weird. You know, we were like, we're not used to that, but that happens in China in this one little section of the globe that I remember from my anthropology 101 when I was a freshman in college, that there's multiple wives and one husband. It's very rare today. <laughs> it's always been rare, and they're like, hey, does this mean there can be polyandry in heaven? How is this all going to happen? Because she didn't have a child with any of the men, so it's not like one can say, hey, I'm claiming special uh, you know, relationship here. We get to be married, and everybody else, no. So how is it going to work here in heaven, Jesus? And Jesus looks at them and says, you guys don't get it. You guys don't get it. Look at verse 34. Verse 34, Jesus replied, the people of this age marry and are given in marriage. Verse 35, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage. We'll stop right there for a second. He said you guys don't get it because that's not what heaven is life like. Okay, we're going to get to this important question of relationship. I know this really bothers some people though, Right? My wife, who's up here singing, you know, the beautiful blonde in the red dress, okay? Melissa, we'll still be friends. I promise. (laughs) That's that's what my card's going to say tomorrow for Valentine's Day. (laughs) We'll still be friends in heaven. See, a lot of people are like, there's going to be all sorts of dudes tomorrow that are spending way too much for flowers to lie to their spouses. I'm going to love you forever. No, you won't. It's going to be different in heaven, okay? No marriage, no spouse. It's not going to be like that, okay? Jesus just told us. So we're going to get to that in just a minute because that really bothers some people. And in fact, there's entire faith traditions that believe that you're married forever, okay? That it's really important that you get married so you can have a spouse in heaven and get into heaven and have kids now so you can have kids in heaven. That, that's a belief tradition. In fact, there was a woman that, that came to our wedding and gave Melissa and I this big plaque that said, Mr. and Mrs. Forever, from this faith tradition. So we took it, it's in our laundry room. We're like, no, but it's still cool. Okay, get the idea. We, we, we get it, right? When we profess our life, we, we just mean like, till we die. Uh, although in this country, that's a, not quite how it works, right? Okay, divorce is a problem here. You should be married for life, yes. I've said it. Okay, um, moving back in <clears throat> to our passage. So Jesus says, hey, that's not how it is. And we're actually gonna get to this idea of relationships in a second, but before we do, we need to learn the first characteristic that Jesus is gonna teach us about heaven the first characteristic of life after life, and it is this, eternal life. Okay, eternal life. Listen to what Jesus says here in verse 36. You can be married nor given in marriage, and they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. This is important for us to understand. You're not going to die when you go to heaven. Some of you are like, well, duh, that's obvious. But it doesn't really make sense logically that we're going to be married and go on procreating forever because, man, heaven really is going to be crowded at that point, okay? Once we get to heaven, it's not going to make sense for that to happen. So he's just saying, hey, you guys thought you had me in a logical pickle, but actually you're wrong. That's not how heaven is at all. We are like the angels. Notice he doesn't say you become angels. That actually is not in the Bible anywhere. Man, I'm really bursting people's bubbles today, aren't I? Okay, you don't become an angel when you die. In fact, um, we're going to have something better than angels because we're going to be given a new body. In 2 Corinthians um, chapter 4, if we can pull this up, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm sorry, verse 4, it says, while we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. Is that somebody's life verse in there? Okay. (laughs) But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. We're going to be giving new bodies when we get to heaven. Paul compares it to a seed that you plant in the ground. The seed has a little husk around it, a shell, and you plant it in the ground, the shell dies, and then out pops a plant, something completely new from the same body. Another way to think of it is like the caterpillar. It goes in the chrysalis, boom, emerges as a butterfly. Right? Complete transformation. There's a connection to the old, but it's something new. That's what's going to happen when we believe in Jesus Christ and we enter into heaven. We are given new Bodies at the resurrection, new bodies. Um and some people are like, Well, what does it mean then whether we're like the angels? Well, that we're gonna be eternal. What are the angels? But created beings created by God to live forever and to serve Him. We will be like the angels that way, that live forever and ever and ever, with bodies that cannot break down. Now that's some good news. That's some really good news. That's why thinking about what comes in the next trillions upon trillions of years actually helps us now. Do you guys see this? Because don't we all have bodies with bad backs and bad knees and replacement parts once you get old enough? And we deal with viruses and infections, and some of us have lifelong physical conditions that we have to suffer with. I talked to my wife. She has celiac. I I asked her this week, like, what are you going to eat with gluten when you get to heaven? Her grandma's rolls. I was like, that's awesome. You know, but, but those things that we deal with in this life are going to be gone in the one, age to come because we're going to have bodies that will live forever. It's eternal life. We will not suffer anymore. We will not struggle. We will not die. And for some of us, that's really, really good news. Because we suffer. We struggle. And every single one of us will have bodies that completely break down. And in those moments when we're struggling with arthritis or Alzheimer's, Or even mental health. Did you know that? You're going to have a new brain in heaven. That's good news. No more depression. No more anxiety. No more schizophrenia or bipolar. I don't have to take these medication that make me feel fuzzy all the time in my head. Man, that's good news for people, isn't it? Jesus is saying that you got to hear this about heaven. That it means you will have eternal life with a new body. That's really good news. That's really good news. And even the the 120 years we suffer in this body is nothing compared even to the first day when we get to be in heaven. How great it will be in our new bodies. That's very good news. So Jesus says, I want you to think about heaven. I want you to know the truth about what heaven is like. And that's the first characteristic, that there will be eternal life. The second thing, the second characteristic of heaven is that we will find perfect community perfect community, perfect relationship. So Jesus did say, if you look at verse 35, he did say very clearly, those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage. But then he says this. If we can look at the second half of verse 36, he says, they are God's children since they are children of the resurrection. They're God's children. So now when we are in heaven we are going to have a father who loves us unconditionally and we will have siblings. We will have siblings. I think this is so important for us because what this means is that our relationship with our spouse is probably not even needed anymore. We know this because in our own lives that our relationships change. When you're a child, what's your most important relationship with your parents? If God you know, blesses you, you have a father, you have your mother, and that's your most important relationship. Now that I have three kids, that's the most important relationship. Okay, we feed them. At the beginning, you've, you, you, know, you have to feed them, and then like, they can't feed themselves, right? Okay, They are completely dependent on you. And then they spend the next 18 years decreasing that dependence and increasing with autonomy, right? You continue to teach them and raise them so that, God willing, by the time they leave the home when it's 18 or 45, as the case may be, hopefully a little on the, closer to 18, when they leave the house, they should be completely autonomous. So at one point, they were completely dependent on you for everything. Now they should be completely independent. Now this doesn't mean they don't have a relationship with you anymore. In fact, you should. Did you know we're commanded in the scriptures to honor your father and mother? It doesn't end when you're 18. Did you know that? I have heard that the great sin of America is not honoring your father and mother. That's a message for another day. But your relationship changes a lot, doesn't it? You still honor them, you still respect them, you should still listen to them, but it's a relationship that has now become almost a friendship relationship. Still maybe a mentor, but it's a completely different relationship, if it's healthy. And some of you are like, ah, that's what I've done wrong. Yes. Okay. It's a hard transition for people because it's a major change. I've done everything for you, been completely dependent on me. I changed your diaper. Okay. I wiped your butt. And now we're friends. Oh, this is, it's a hard transition for a lot of people to make, for the kid and the parent. But the relationship changes, and yet they still stay in a relationship. In the same way, when you're an adult and you get married, your spouse is the most important human relationship you have. It really should be, okay? It's another marriage lesson right there. I'm giving you all sorts of bonus points today. That should be your most important relationship. And yet, when we get to heaven, that relationship changes. So that's why Melissa and I are still going to be friends. We're still going to hang out, but we're not going to need that same intimacy that we have in this lifetime because now in heaven we will have perfect relationship and community with our Father in heaven and with our siblings around us. That's so important. It, 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 the passage keeps going on, and Jesus gives them some scriptural backing for what he's teaching now about heaven. Verse 37 says, but in the account of the burning bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise, for he calls the Lord, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living for to him all are alive. So Jesus, remember, is talking to these religious people, the Sadducees, And he's giving them a biblical foundation for what he's teaching. And this is really important because the Sadducees believed in the first five books of the Bible, but they kind of ignored the rest of the Old Testament. So he goes straight to the first five books of the Bible. He says, I can prove to you that there is eternal life in heaven from these books, from the account of Moses at the burning bush. Remember that? When Moses is out there, he's a shepherd on the hill, and all of a sudden there's this burning bush. And he goes over to see, like, what is going on out here? And God speaks to him. And God reveals himself to him. If you didn't know this, this is the first time God says his name. He said, I am Yahweh. Yahweh, that's God's name. He said, this is my name. This is how you can know me, not just some God that's out there, but I want to know you, and I'm going to reveal myself to you. I am Yahweh, and he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, your ancestors who have been dead 300 plus years. And he doesn't say, I was their God. What does God say? I am the God, meaning it's present tense. He is still the God of these long dead heroes of the faith, Moses's ancestors, meaning God is still alive and they are as well. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are in heaven with God, our father. God is the God of the living. And if we believe in him, we will live together with him forever. So this means perfect community. Some of us do not have a good parent in this life. We were not blessed with a father and mother who loved us and made that transition perfectly when we went out into the world and they they were a good mentor and coach, but not necessarily, you know, overstepping bounds. Okay, people, a lot of us didn't have that perfect relationship, right? And if that's you, guess what? You're gonna have a perfect father in heaven. And some of us, that's really good news. We can finally have the relationship that we've always craved. For others, it also means we have siblings, Right? We have brothers and sisters around us, all of God's children, and we will be with them. And we will have a perfect relationship with them. And that is really good news because who in here over the last two years has had a relationship that has been hurt or broken or destroyed? Anybody? Last two years? Yeah, I see a few hands and the rest of you are lying, okay? Okay. We've all had friendships. We've had uh, arguments and fights over masks, over no masks, over vax, over no vax, over who to vote for, who not to vote for. What about these trucks in Canada? Okay, we're fighting about all sorts of stupid stuff. And we're losing friendships. I almost lost one of my closest friends because we were arguing over a text message. I'm so glad we apologized to each other and reconciled because I'm like, this is way too important to lose over some stupid thing that we're not even gonna remember in a few years. But our relationships in this life break We hurt each other. We offend other people. Yet we can look forward to heaven when we will have perfect community. Where we won't fight over politics anymore. Where we won't have disagreements and we won't offend people. Where the color of our skin isn't going to matter because we're all going to be children of God. Every single one of us. From every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. We're going to be in every nation, congregation, in heaven. We can look forward to that. No more conflict. No more fighting. But just a unity and oneness in Jesus Christ. That's something to look forward to, isn't it? And the good news with all of this, the more we look forward to heaven, it actually makes us want to make this earth more like heaven. We don't just say, well, someday things will be better and I'll be reconciled and I can say I'm sorry to that person. No, we apologize now. We forgive as we have been forgiven. We are the peacemakers. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. We make peace in our families and in our workplaces When we have these broken relationships, we we try to restore it, and that's why we have community groups even here in our church where there are people with different political ideologies that come from different backgrounds, that have different skin colors, that might speak a different language or a different nation of origin, and we get together in someone's living room so that we can do life together. And it is hard sometimes. It feels awkward. We offend somebody because of some dumb thing we say. We have to apologize and seek forgiveness. But it is worth it because we're looking forward to heaven when it will all be perfect. So we need to look forward to heaven when Jesus tells us we're going to have perfect community, perfect relationship, and we'll make it even now, guys, so we can be in every nation congregation here. It's one of our vision that we're talking about for this year. We've got to seek that this year. We've got to seek that in our church. So that's the second characteristic Jesus says about heaven, is that we'll have perfect community, perfect community. The third thing, we'll have a king named Jesus. Yes, we'll have a king named Jesus. So after Jesus answers the Sadducees, all these questions have been thrown at him. They're trying to trick him and trap him. He just avoids all of them because he knows the truth. He knows the Bible. He knows what heaven is like. And he answers all of them and silences all his opponents. So then he flips the tables here and he begins to ask them a question. He says, you guys think you're so smart theologically. Answer me this. Verse 41, then Jesus said to them, why is it said that the Messiah is the son of David? David himself declares in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Verse 44 David calls him Lord. How then can he be his son? Jesus asks. And that's his mic drop. I won't drop it, I promise. What Jesus does here is he looks at all these people who know the Bible, know theology, and says, I want to ask you a theological question that you don't understand, from Psalm 110. Psalm 110 was written by David, the great king, a man after God's own heart. And we are told again and again in the Bible, in the Old Testament, there's at least a dozen promises that the Messiah, the savior of the world, will be a descendant, a son of David. They're all waiting for the son of David, this descendant of David, to come and reign. But Jesus says, how can it be in this Psalm? And if we look at it in Psalm 110 itself, how can it be in verse one that it says, The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand? Well, when you see it in the Old Testament, and if you have a Bible, the first Lord is capitalized, right? The second Lord is lowercase. Does anybody know what that capital Lord means? I heard it over here. Say it louder. Anybody? Somebody said the right answer, right? Yahweh. This is God's proper name. And they would write it with a capital Lord because Jews, in order to show reverence to God, would say Lord when they would read Yahweh in the Hebrew scriptures. So we see this very clearly. The Lord Yahweh says to my Lord, another Hebrew word, which is a title, Adonai. So how could Yahweh say to my Lord? Why is this important? Because David wrote this, and he's writing about the Messiah. So this Messiah is someone who David himself would say, my Lord. So Jesus is asking this theological question. How is it possible that David's son, one of his descendants, who in a sense is subservient to David, the king who came before, how can that son say to David, or David say to that son, my Lord? That doesn't make any sense, logically. But what Jesus is saying here is that the Messiah was actually one who came before David himself. Jesus is talking about himself here. And he's saying, yes, I am a descendant, a son of David. I come from that lineage. You see that when you read Matthew chapter one, Jesus comes from that lineage of David. He's the son of David. Everybody's been waiting for the Messiah. And yet he's also David's Lord, his king, because Jesus has been around forever. He's the eternal son of the father who came in the flesh, the son of David. And then when he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven at his resurrection, he became one greater than David himself, the king of kings. So what Jesus is saying here is I want you to understand this. I am the king. I was the king before and I will be the king in heaven forever to rule. And it says that my enemies will be made a footstool under my throne. Jesus is saying that I will put my feet up, symbolically saying I have defeated my enemies, sin, death, and the devil, and anyone who has opposed me is underneath me, and I will rule over everything. And why is this good news? Because the king rules with justice and righteousness forever. Have we ever had someone in authority above us that we didn't like, that made some bad decisions? Okay, I want to see everybody's hand here in the place, right? We've had parents who neglected us or abused us and didn't treat us the way we should be treated. We've had teachers and coaches who have said things to us that is still rattling around in our head years later. How could they have said that? We've had bosses who've treated us poorly. We've had CEOs who have been greedy. And we've all had government officials that we didn't like. We all can't stand that guy, right? You can fill in the blank for whatever that guy is for you, right? We all have some guy that we don't like in government, and they have made decisions we disagree with. Even the ones we vote for and think they're going to be great, they leave us hanging, don't they? Man, this year is going to be a weird one again, another election year. Even though it's a midterm, it's going to be a bad year, right? We already know it. Because we know even when you get the people you want in office, they don't do what you want. And they don't make things better. And life still sometimes seems to get worse. But when we have all that stuff in our life now, we can look forward to eternity when a king will reign who will do everything right who will be perfect in justice and will make all things that are wrong right. It says that the healing of the nations will be in the tree of life as the king rules and heals all the wrongs that have been made right. All the wrongs will be made right. The king will reign and he will treat us fairly and justly. And all the things that were like this wasn't done right here on this earth will be made right. We can look forward to this. And that's going to be some good news this year. We can have hope that even if things don't go the way we want, they don't get better, our party doesn't get in office, the right policies that we want for masking and vaccine and all that stuff doesn't get passed, we still know that in heaven, we have a king that will love us and reign with justice, a king named Jesus. And that's something looking forward to because this same king, Jesus, left everything and walked among us and loved us and served us and took up that crown of thorns for us dying on the cross so that we could have that eternal life, that perfect community, and a king named Jesus forever. He did that for you. And this is really important because if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, you need to think more about heaven. Because the more heavenly minded we are, the more earthly good we'll actually be. We seek to bring heaven here on earth We need to think about it more, and it should give us courage, and it should give us hope. We need hope in a lot of moments in our life. And if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, I want to encourage you to make that decision today. There was one woman named Cindy who I met during my time as a pastor in Nebraska. And and Cindy didn't go to our church, but her two daughters were in our kids program. I I believe the youngest was in fifth grade, and the the, the next one up was in middle school. And uh, I found out through the grapevine that Cindy was dying of terminal brain cancer. So she had this fifth grade daughter, another daughter still at home. And so I reached out and I said, hey, I would love to come see Cindy in the hospital where she was still getting treatments at the time. But she wasn't interested at all. She didn't want to see a pastor or talk to me. I was like, that's totally fine, but I'm going to be praying anyways, right? We're going to be all praying for, for Cindy. And then um, a while later, she got sent home on hospice to die. So for those last days, weeks, months of her life, you, you never know. Um, she finally said, okay, the pastor can come over and see me. And I'll remember vividly when I went to go meet her for the first time. I came in and Cindy was there in um, her, her lounge chair. You know, she couldn't really move at that point. She's in a lot of pain. You could see it visibly on her face. She's hooked up to all the tubes. And she was in pain physically. I could see it, but, but also on the TV, so in her personal life, she's, she's thinking about leaving behind these, her husband and these two little kids. And on the TV, there was a news coverage of the nation of Syria that they, some government officials had gassed some of their own citizens and killed little children. This was on the TV. She's watching it, and she says, there's got to be someplace better than this. And I was like, yes, Cindy, there is. So as we talked, I opened up the Bible and we talked about some scriptures about heaven, about a place that's better than this, where our relationships can be restored, that our bodies that are broken and have cancer now can be healed forever. And that none of the wrongs that happen in this life will ever happen again. And said there will be healing for the nations. I told her all of this and I said, you know, Jesus died on the cross for you so that you could make it to heaven with him. And I said, do you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? She said, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. I was like, okay, okay. I said, and I was going on uh, out of town for the next week. I said, I'm gonna be out of town, but here's a simple prayer you can pray. It's a simple prayer just to confess that you're a sinner, accept Jesus as your Lord and savior. And when you accept his gift of eternal life, you know that you will be with him forever. She said, okay. Well, I went out of town and the first thing, when I got back, I got a call from her husband. She said, Matt, you gotta get over here. Um, She's not doing well. We think it's the end, and she's been asking for you all week. I was like, okay. I was there, and I was sitting next to Cindy, and and this time when I walked in, she was still in the same chair, same with the tubes on, but she was physically, like, convulsing, in pain, completely in, in turmoil in her life, emotionally, physically, and she kept muttering, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared. So I sat next to Cindy. I said, do you remember everything we talked about last time I was here? And she said, yes. I said, are you ready to pray that prayer? And she said, yes. So I led her through that simple prayer to accept Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And she prayed that prayer. And I've never seen this before since, but she immediately became calm. Her body stopped moving. She was at peace. And she died shortly thereafter. And I was able to share this story with all her friends and family that were in our church. She talked about how Cindy is in heaven forever and anyone can join her. So I'm telling you this story because some of you need to make that same decision that Cindy made to make Jesus your Lord and savior. He died for you so you could live forever with him. And if you think about the length of your life that goes on and on and on without end, it's worth it to make a decision to say, I will follow Jesus. I will believe in him no matter what comes. So I want to give you an opportunity right now to say that same prayer, to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you're already a follower of Jesus, what we do here is we, we say it out loud to give courage to somebody who needs to pray that prayer for the first time. So let's all close our eyes right now. Lord God, I pray that you would continue to help us think about heaven, to focus our eyes on the reality that our life after life is so much longer than anything in this life. And that it can give courage and hope to us now. But especially, I pray that you'd speak to the mind, to the heart of those who need to make that decision today because they don't know what's going to happen to them when they die. So, Lord God, speak to their hearts and open it up so that they might receive you as their Lord and Savior. So, I'm going to give you an opportunity with eyes closed right now to, to repeat this prayer. So, please repeat after me Dear God, I'm a sinner. I need a savior, save me, forgive me. In faith I declare, Jesus is king. Give me your gift of eternal life. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you and serve you for the rest of my life. Now with eyes still closed, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, I want you to shoot your, hair, your hand right up into the air. Please put your hand straight up in the air so I can see that. Praise God. Let's give a hand to those who are making that decision today. Praise God. If you're online, go to ricedenvercom follow and fill out that little form. We'd love to just encourage you in this journey because not only does it change your eternity, but it transforms your life for the better now. Uh, and Lord God, we, we turn to you and praise every single one of us, and we de- declare, Jesus, that you are the king. You are the king of kings, so we worship you. Jesus' name, amen. Let's please stand. If you want prayer or need prayer, we have um, some people available for prayer team in the back. You can see Sawyer will be in the back, and then we'll have start right after that upstairs.